We're back. Ready to go? We are back, baby. That was so, like, monotone. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, we are back. <laughs> well, for those listening, it is a national holiday today with the beginning of the Masters Tournament in Augusta, Georgia. I got my Tiger Woods hat on. I'm excited. But I'll say this, though, right? So we're getting into the show today. The weather today, how ominous with this oh, fog yeah. and mist and no sun in sight. Oh, trust me, I'm, I'm gonna get into it. Trust, I'm gonna get into it. <laughs> it's, it's something. It is. It is. It's. I mean, it's a nice day, but it's a weird day at yeah. the same time. Like, you well, know. I slept eight hours, so it is a weird day. Like me personally, I'm like, what is happening? Like, Not I'm awake for once in my life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got my cereal milk proteins. She <laughs> <laughs> comes in like, you guys got to try this. <laughs> you would not let us start the show without trying this protein shake. <laughs> it was good. It was. No, I got I, I agree. It was. It was really good. Go get the ghost cereal milk protein shake and it will change your life. That's my PSA <laughs> for the day. Okay. But that wasn't, a, that wasn't an ad for it? You know, no. Just, no, no, no. We're no, just no, saying it. No sponsorship, no, no sponsorship, promo. sadly. No sponsorship, no promo. Just, you know. It's just a just a little a recommendation, yes. if you will, a mm-hmm. recommendation, if you will. All right, before we get into you know, as always, the nitty gritty, the good stuff of the show, we got to hit him with the news headlines. So, Cass, whenever you're ready, take it. All away. right, DOJ tentatively settles over Texas church shooting for 144 million dollars in 2017. More than two dozen people were killed when Devin Patrick Kelly opened fire during a Sunday service at First Baptist Church of Sutherland Springs. Kelly, who died of an apparent self-inflicted gunshot wound after he was shot and chased by two men who heard the gunfire at the church, had served in the Air Force prior to the attack. Authorities put the official death toll at 26 because one of the 25 people killed was pregnant. Missouri tornado kills multiple people, Sal's destruction. A large tornado tore through Southern Southern southeastern Missouri on Wednesday, causing a widespread destruction and killing multiple people as a broad swath of the Midwest and South brace for further storms that could spawn additional twisters and haul. No driver, no problem. Robotaxis I San Francisco expansion. Two trailblazing ride hauling services are headed are heading towards uncharted territory as they seek regulatory approval to transport passengers around the clock throughout one of the most densely populated U.S. cities in vehicles that will have no one sitting in the driver's seat. Ban on Afghan female staffers by Taliban unacceptable. unacceptable. The statement came a day after the U.N. said it had been informed by Afghanistan's ruling Taliban that Afghan women would no longer be allowed to work for the world body. That announcement came after the U.N. mission in the country expressed concern that its female staffers were prevented from reporting to work in eastern Nangahar province. And finally, the U.S. flies nuclear-capable bombers and te- bombers amid tensions with North Korea. The United States flew nuclear-capable B-52 bombers to the Korean Peninsula again on Wednesday in a show of strength against North Korea amid concerns that the North might, be con- might conduct a nuclear test. Yikes. Big yikes. Just, yeah, yikes. Big yikes. Yikes. <laughs> yikes up and down the board here. Big yikes, yeah. Everything was going arguably well up until the last <laughs> one. Yeah. 
So I wouldn't say argue, argue. I can't pronounce the words. Arguably, that's like, the word I'm looking know. for. <laughs> wow. Like, it's like, but everything else was, everything else was kind of like, all right, we can deal. Yeah. We can figure this out. It's like boom. No. B fifty two nukes. Yeah. I'm kind of into the robo taxis. The robo taxis do sound cool though. But it that's is. scary in San Francisco. Everything is scarier in San Francisco. Yeah, driving down those windy streets, making all those crazy turns. That that doesn't sound like fun, especially not with a robot in there. <laughs> I, have uh, my, I have my hands, you know, I, I have my life in the hands of Siri behind the wheel. Like, I really don't know. Well, it'd just be like a Tesla type of vibe. I mean, yeah, but Teslas kind of remind me of, like, those RC cars that your parents would buy you. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Like, granted, they're cool and all, but if I can't figure out how to get in my car for five minutes, I don't think I want to, I don't think I'm going to trust it driving by itself. Figure out how uh, to get in my car. Uh, You've seen that. Have you tried to get in a Tesla with, yes, their, I was with their in weird one, door handles? Like? Yes, you push it in and then it like pops out. You see, yeah, like now I know that. But like <laughs> trying to get in a try to get in a For Tesla Uber at six o'clock in the morning and you can't figure out how to get the door open. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the future, Ronnie. It's a new wave. You know, I had to step into it at some point, but you know, they just it caught me off guard. What can I say? Tesla's just I was not prepared for how, how fast the world was moving. <laughs> right? Tesla's Tesla's caught me off guard. What also caught me off guard is this really really weird weather we have today. I mean, it's weird to say the least, but I mean I'm, I'll get into it and then we'll we'll talk about it right after. So as for today's weather, it is currently fifty one degrees outside of the studios here at Hofstra and up in the sky it is very foggy, real mysterious, real spooky. The rest of the day should remain the same, but have some rain mixed in there towards uh, the middle of the day and into the into the early night. We have a high of 74, which is great. So it's going to be nice and warm, but the, the rain kind of cancels that out just a little bit. And then for the evening, we're dropping back down to 51. So it's not going to be too cold, but I mean, it, it seems like a pretty nice day. So pretty much don't do your hair today. Yeah, no, it's definitely no, not. A, no hair doing day weather. Not. No, no. But I threw my hair back and I said, "We're just gonna roll with it, it today. There we We're go. rolling with it." Now, I would say so. You said out spooky, kind of ominous. Now I'm gonna throw you back. This is a really old episode of Scooby Doo, but there was a point when there was this fog and it was so thick that Shaggy grabs a knife and he cuts a little circle and he puts it on a sandwich and then eats like the fog. And it like I remember that. it gives me that kind of it, it gives me that kind of vibe today. Like it, it, it's just so and it's been there since last night. Like yeah. I'm like yeah, this, last night it was even worse. Like you couldn't see anything. Yeah, I don't I don't like it. I feel like we're in some weird like movie. You know, like now. Now all we need is the aliens to drop down today, and we can we can say we completed the day. It's the war war of the worlds. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't surprise me if aliens dropped down. Huh. At this rate, they, they'd be I'd like be, I'd be low key, like lowest of low keys, kind of into it. I mean, if they could fix everything going yeah. on, like I'm for like if they went up to Putin, we're like, yo, Holmes, like you're gonna blow this whole thing up. Like that would, I think <laughs> like, that would work. Stop, like, yo, Holmes, <laughs> like we're trying to invade your planet, but you're making it real hard for us to want to actually take it over. Like, yeah. <laughs> Uh, what a time, what a time. Yeah, what it's a just time. a regular Thursday morning here. <laughs> <laughs> That's enough of that. Like, <laughs> just stop everything right there. But, you know, I mean, we'll, we'll see. 
We, there's a lot of there's a lot of time left in the year for some aliens to make a move. Yeah. Well, if if they're gonna visit the United States, maybe they would visit the next person of interest in our first story, I mean, Ronnie. All they ever do is visit the United States. Like if you've seen all those movies, all the old school movies, like the only thing they see on this globe is the continental United States. And yeah. Like <laughs> that's all that they got. There's a whole whole other world there's out a whole there. Whole other world out there. They always <laughs> land in the continental United States. <laughs> well, and it's not even like it's a nice. It's like in the middle of the desert. You know, no one's there. Like okay. Like, no, they just land in the sticks, like in the boonies at all times. <laughs> oh, we are all. That's why they're so upset today. when they get here because they've been looking around for three and yeah. a half hours for civilization. And there's, nothing. Like, there's nothing. There's nothing there. <laughs> There's nothing there. I would be upset too if I crash landed on some random planet and I can't find people for 45 minutes and my car is busted so I can't go anywhere else. I'd be upset too. All right. All right. Moving on to our our first story. If you've been paying attention to the ever controversial Governor Ron DeSantis, you'll know that he made yet another move that will put him under the political microscope. Just recently, he signed a bill that will allow Florida state residents to carry concealed weapons without a permit. The White House has wasted no time criticizing the decision, calling it, quote, the opposite of common sense gun safety. In a longer statement, White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre said, quote, it is shameful that so soon after another tragic school shooting, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis signed into law a permitless concealed carry bill behind closed doors, which eliminates the need to get a license to carry a concealed weapon. Citing past tragedies later in her statement, saying, quote, the people of Florida who have paid a steep price for state and congressional inaction on guns from Parkland to Pulse nightclub to Pine Hills deserve better, unquote. DeSantis quietly signed the bill into a law without public press conference only a week after the Nashville school shooting. Despite the mounting approval, DeSantis is still expected to announce a presidential bid in the near future, and Florida will join a multitude of states that have recently loosened gun laws all while the President Biden calls on Congress to ban assault-style weapons. All right. Yeah. Let's, all right. I don't usually talk during the first block because I'm not too politically inclined. Um, There's so many school shootings and gun violence happening. Why would you sign a, a law to eliminate a license? That's my first question. Yeah. Why would you do that? Not even a week after the Nashville shooting? Who in their right mind? Who in their right mind? Because it's not like, oh, you know, I signed the bill that makes it legal to open carry, which in, in, in most cases is better because yeah. you know what everybody's working with. Exactly. You know? exactly. I, if, if I'm holding, you're going to see it, you know? Exactly. There, there, there's a difference. You took away the license. You took away the need for a, li- uh, a, I mean, permit. a permit. To conceal your weapon, which makes it a whole lot yes. more dangerous. Yes. It, the the whole thing to me is just, it's a Wild West complex where the idea is that the only way we can beat the guns is by getting more guns. And especially in schools, you're hearing the conversation now of, okay, well, let's arm the teachers. Let's arm more people. And I think that instead of just simply trying to crack down the guns themselves or trying to find other ways to maneuver around it. And again, it's just like... It's getting to the point now where we're even saying that, right, where you have an open fire. Why Why do we want anywhere where we could just walk in public and see someone with a gun? I, in, in any civilized country in the world, that should not be a norm. That should not be something that is just like, 
you know, celebrated. And the fact that, that that's what the move is, especially as we talked about, in the light of all of these recent events. But again, what does that do for DeSantis, right? It shows that he's being strong and that he's trying to find a way to quote-unquote solve the issue. And then the, the base looks at that as, okay, well, look, he's trying to protect our rights. He's trying to find better ways to deal with the problem. What they're not seeing overall is the greater scope of things. But to him, this is a big political victory. And again, he's kind of in a moment now where Trump has been able to boost, you know, his fundraising, his attention as a result of what's going on in Manhattan that we'll bring up later. But he's at a point now where everybody's seeing Trump going to office, or I'm sorry, going to the courtroom. They're like, oh, like, we're not really sure about this guy. And DeSantis is just there and he's licking his lips. He's like, here's more political brownie points. Here's more political brownie points. Trump looks a little bit weaker. Let me cash in now while I can. And now it's again, it's, he's sitting here in this position where I, I really think that he he has to announce a presidential run soon because it he's just making too many moves of this level where he wouldn't be preparing for a presidential run. Yeah, you don't do this for no reason. You don't you don't make waves just, you know, for, for your own like just just for fun. That's not how that works, especially in the in the political spectrum. I just I really don't get where this change came to mind like if you want to loosen gun laws i would think he would allow people to buy okay you know you can now buy high capacity magazines or you can do like you know something in the scope of adding to your weapon but not necessarily just okay yeah now you can just tuck the piece and walk around and you know you don't you don't need a permit to do that what i, I remember speaking about this uh i want to say this uh, this past summer I was I was talking about this on on another show with uh, Alexa and and Nick, and I I did a report and looked into gun laws in Germany, and their gun laws are incredible. It's a very very layered process to even be considered to own a firearm, and when you do, you have to present a valid reason as to why your life is on average in more danger than the average person. So if you work security and you tell them that you worked armed security, you let's say you're escorting money. They will give you that they will, you know, see that as a valid reason to now give you a firearm. So now you need to go through that training. I believe you need to be 21 just to join a club, just to join like a range club to go out and shoot on weekends. You need to be 21 and have a background check done. Germany's doing it right. Just, just to, do, doing just it to right. shoot for sport. Yeah. And then to, to own one, it's a whole nother process. You need to present a reason as to why your life is in more danger than the average person. And then when you get your firearm, you have to have two separate safes. The gun itself needs to be locked in a safe separate from the safe where the ammunition is locked in. That's smart. That's so smart. It's and actually, like, I never thought I never thought about, like, actually having two safes for that. And I was say, last time I checked, the people of Germany don't seem to be up in arms over it. Exactly. So, you know. Exactly. Maybe it actually works if you have a system in place that can try to stop some of these problems. I, I understand the, the appeal of owning a weapon. You know, mm -hmm. I, I, I can understand that for home defense, for whatever it may be, some people just shoot for sport, yeah. you know, and some people tinker with weapons the way people tinker with cars. You know, like, I, I get that. But I feel like there's certain things that need restrictions. He, we're not saying take away your weapons at all because that would get shot down, you know, obviously. But I feel like there are some things that need to be restricted and need to have some strings pulled, you know, like concealed carry is is great because it comes with so much responsibility. But that that in that case, I mean, Uncle Ben said it the best with great power comes with great responsibility and that permit eliminating that permit takes away all responsibility.
I agree with you. Yeah, I agree it, with you. It, the the timing is tough. Again, we just we hope and pray that that this is the last that we'll see of this wave of recent gun violence. But unfortunately, uh, you know, until there's major action, I just think that it's going to be another story in a different place. So you know, we can only we can only hope that some sort of action is able to stop this trend. Yeah, we can we can only only hope and pray, especially with such to put it lightly, unfortunate timing that he's doing this. And I feel like there's a part of it that that may or may not be on purpose. And that's just my opinion. I feel well, like if I, you're going to do I agree it, with you. if you're going to do it, you do it now because all eyes are on that issue. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that, that again, that is solely my opinion. But, you know, to, to each their own. So keeping it just as controversial, we've all seen what happened to former President Trump over the past couple days. And the situation that he's in, I know we have a bit of an we have an interview that uh, Nick Cavillama, Nicholas Cavillamaki's crew yesterday actually actually did. They got a chance to sit down with Dean Luke and get his insight on it. But Jason, we have a little update as to what might be going on if you're not aware. Yeah, so we could just give a quick run through the five main takeaways. There are 34 charges at center on payments to attorney Michael Cohen, and uh, there was 34 different times these were recorded. So there were 11 payments in each month from February 2017 to December 2017. Each payment was recorded on a check in ledgers as a retainer payment, despite the alleged lack of a legitimate retainer agreement. Falsification of business records in the second degree is a misdemeanor charge. If, however, the falsification is meant to cover up another criminal act, it becomes a felony. This This is what Bragg's office is alleging happened. Now, this is number two. The grand jury elevated charges to a felony based on the illegality of the payments. Federal crime is less vague. If the payments were intended to keep negative stories from coming out before the 2016 election, then the payments were political spending. If they're political spending from a candidate or an agent of the candidate's campaign, they're subject to contribution limits and reporting requirements. These payments obviously weren't reported. The legal question then centers on whether the payments were aimed at influencing the election. The statement of the facts gets at that. It notes that while Trump was never charged with either a state or federal crime, Cohen pleaded guilty to charges related to both McDougal and Daniel's payments. It also noted that the AMI admitted to federal prosecutors that it participated in an effort to influence the election by making its payments. Number three, prosecutors allege evidence explicitly demonstrating that Trump knew the payments were focused on the election. Quote, the defendants directed lawyer A to delay making a payment to woman two as long as possible. Quote, it reads, he instructed lawyer A that if they could delay the payment until after the election, they could avoid paying altogether because at that point it would not matter if the story became public. Another point of reference is a conversation that Trump and Cohen had about buying the McDougal story from AMI. The conversation was recorded and published in 2018 and made obvious that Trump's electoral viability was a focus. Four, Trump allegedly thanked David Pecker for aiding his campaign. In August 2015, Pecker allegedly reached out to Trump and Cohen about his willingness to buy and bury negative stories. The statement of facts alleges, quote, the defendant thanked the AMI CEO for handling the stories of the doorman and women one and invited the AMI CEO to the inauguration. In the summer of 2017, the defendant invited the AMI CEO to the White House for a dinner to thank him for his help during the campaign. And finally, in court, Trump was warned about his public comments on the case. Quote, please refrain from making statements that are likely to insult violence or civil unrest, Mershan said. 
quote, making comments that have potential to incite violence, create civil unrest, or jeopardize the state or well-being of in any individuals is strictly prohibited. So, you know, there's a lot to unpack in this case. I'm sure Dean Luke talks about it, but really in the media coverage of it, there's a lot of gray areas that they have to go over and just discussing the, the statement of the facts as we brought up. And I think that's a perfect segue to go right into this interview. Yeah, 100%. We got a lot of questions, and hopefully Dean Luke could give us uh, some answers to some of those questions. So let's take a listen. 88.7 FM WRHU. My name is Emma Big. I'm sitting down with Mark Lukashevich of the Lawrence Herbert School of Communications here at Hofstra. He's joining us here to discuss the indictment of Donald Trump. A former NBC News executive, Lukashevich can discuss media coverage of the indictment and arraignment, as well as his post-indictment address that happened Tuesday night at Mar-a-Lago. So, Dean Luke, my first question for you. As the dean of the communications school at Hofstra, you have plenty of experience in the media. How would you say the media is handling such a historic moment? Well, it's been interesting to watch. There was obviously a lot of live coverage, which seemed very reminiscent of 2016, watching Donald Trump's movements uh, by motorcade from Mar-a-Lago to the airport, from the airport here in New York to Trump Tower, and then, of course, the motorcade down to the courthouse. Um, I think what was more interesting was how the media covered or didn't cover uh, the speech on Tuesday night. Um, it was my view that uh, there shouldn't be live network news coverage of that speech um, because the president, uh, the, the former president, has been known to, uh, frankly, tell a lot of lies when he speaks live, a lot of inaccuracies. Um, and it's not, in my view, the role of a news organization to simply platform uh, someone uh, speaking untruths live on the air. Um, I think the role of journalists is to analyze and to report facts. So uh, it was interesting to see what happened because in the end, um, Fox News carried the full address live. CNN carried most of it, but not all of it. And MSNBC, interestingly, made a conscious choice not to air the president's speech. Uh, Rachel Maddow went on the air and said that... Uh, there are, uh, there are consequences for a news organization that knowingly uh, uh, broadcasts things that aren't true. And uh, so she told her audience, we're going to watch the address and tell you if there's anything newsworthy in it. Um, and the truth was there wasn't a whole lot newsworthy in it. In fact, I think what everybody recognizes about the president's speech, the former president's speech from Mar-a-Lago, was that it was a lot of remarks from his uh, ongoing playbook, uh, complaining about the impeachment trials, complaining about the various investigations on his part, defending his phone calls to the Georgia Secretary of State and others uh, during the uh, post-election period. Um, so it, 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 there wasn't a lot new in terms of what uh, the president had to say beyond attacking um, the judge and the prosecutor. Alrighty. Well, my second question for you, from a journalistic perspective, how do you think this case is going to affect the general public as well as the presidential elections for 2024? I think it's a little early to, to know. And of course, this is only one of several uh, cases, investigations going on uh, involving uh, President Trump and his, uh, his associates. Uh, I think the timing matters a lot. This uh, trial was... Uh, this matter was scheduled for December. 
we're going to be running up against the New Hampshire primary and other contests for the Republican nomination will already be well underway by the time this gets back in front of a judge, uh, if that schedule holds. And that can have a big impact on what voters are seeing and what they're experiencing in the news. So it's, it's early to tell, but I think as long as these cases, this case and the others, are ongoing, they're absolutely going to have an impact on the race for uh, the Republican nomination, which by most accounts belongs to Donald Trump if he wants it, um, and the race, of course, between uh, that nominee and, and President Biden. Alrighty. Um, so if you're just tuning in, we're talking with Mark Lukashevics, former NBC News executive and the dean of the Lawrence Herbert School of Communication here at Hofstra. So since Donald Trump is pleading not guilty to all 34 charges, where do you see this trial going? Well, that's absolutely no surprise that the president, uh, President Trump, uh, pleaded not guilty um, to these charges. Um, as I said before, it's a little hard to know where this is going to go. I think most of the legal pundits who've been speaking about this think it's highly unlikely that there will be a settlement in the case. Um, it's highly unlikely that, particularly as a campaign is going on, uh, Donald Trump is going to plead guilty to anything. So it, it seems like it's inevitably headed towards a trial. Presumably there will be some legal appeals and maneuverings along the way to try to get the charges dismissed or prevent the trial. There's some legal uh, complications about how this these charges were made. These are typically business record falsifications. They're typically a misdemeanor. But if that is done, if that those records are falsified, in pursuit of a separate crime, then it can rise to a felony. That's the theory Alvin Bragg has brought to uh, the courtroom. It's untested in this exact context, so it's not clear how that, that's going to uh, play out. But I think it's going to retain the public interest, and it is, um, I think, for Democrats, one of the challenges is it is going to put Donald Trump back in the media spotlight where he loves to be. Um, and that is not necessarily a good thing for the Democrats. All right. So last night, um, Tuesday night, Trump gave a post-indictment uh, address at his Mar-a-Lago home. How do you feel about the address being broadcasted live? So I think uh, we spoke about that a moment ago. I don't. I don't think the. Uh, I don't think it would be the role of a news organization to broadcast that kind of speech live. And in fact, I, I made that point uh, on social media. And uh, one of the three news networks, MSNBC, did not broadcast the speech live. None of the broadcast networks uh, aired it, as far as I know. Um, I think a news organization fundamentally has its responsibility to its audience. And when you are in a news operation, when you're in a newsroom, your fundamental obligation to your audience is to deliver to them the truth. Um, when you have someone like Donald Trump who has made it a pattern, a deliberate pattern, um, to speak untruthfully uh, in his public statements, I think the course that a news network ought to pursue is to watch that address and then either air the portions of it that are true or air it with the context of fact-checking and correction and analysis. Simply turning over your airwaves live to any politician 
I think, is not journalism. That's electronic stenography. Um, and that's not what journal, news organizations should be doing. So um, I was happy with the decision that MSNBC made, and I hope going forward uh, other news organizations will, will consider that. Uh, I've written about this in the past. I, I do not think turning over your platform, particularly the massive platforms of the cable news operations and the broadcast networks, uh, to anyone is something that should be done lightly. So a follow-up question, you know, as you said, so many people are choosing not to report on this. Um, how can the media sustain reporting on the same topic over and over? Is it sustainable? Are we beating a dead horse? Well, I, I, I would characterize it a little differently. When I talked about uh, networks not airing the broadcast, that's not the same as not reporting about it. Reporting about it is exactly what should happen. Um, a reporter... A journalist should watch what the president said, compare it to the facts, compare it to prior statements, compare it to what others are saying, and report on that. That's journalism. Just putting the, the video feed from Mar-a-Lago onto your network for 20 minutes, that's not journalism. That's transmission. That's, that's just, just putting it on the air. So I, I do think there's been plenty of reporting about what the president said and what the president is doing. And that is, I think, very good. Um, I think unlike what's been going on for some months with Donald Trump, where there really hasn't been much new, it's been um, just the same drumbeat of uh, problems with the National Archives and with the presidential records and so forth and so on, we now have actual charges for the first time in American history against a former president, criminal charges. And there will now be movement. There will be progress. Those charges will be uh, brought forward. Evidence will be accumulated. Discovery will be conducted by each side. Witnesses will be interviewed and presumably ultimately testify. And the jury will make a decision if this all goes as criminal cases typically go in the New York justice system. Alrighty, and my, my final question for you, how are you teaching students here at the Lawrence Herbert School of Communications to cover stories that are so large and unprecedented? Well, as a, as a dean, uh, I, much as I would like to be in the classroom every day, that's not really my role. My role is to help the faculty do the teaching that they do. They're, they're the teachers in the school. Um, so it's really up to them to do that. I think we live in an increasingly complicated world, um, and that is the nature of what we have to deal with. So I think what we have to do is make sure that students are always asking questions, that as journalists we're always looking for the facts in the situation, making sure we're clear about that, and serving an audience by explaining those things as best we can. Uh, sometimes it's really challenging. Yesterday, even for lawyers uh, who were involved this week in covering this, um, they had some difficulty because this is an unprecedented case. Never before has a former president been charged in this way. Never has this particular kind of charge been elevated to a felony in this kind of circumstance. Um, so there was a lot to consider, and we have a former president attacking the judge in his case. That's also unprecedented. Um, but I think as long as people stick to the facts and present those facts honestly to an audience, they're doing their job as journalists, and that's what I hope all of our students, including you, will do. All righty. Thank you so much for joining me today, Dean Luke. I appreciate it. Thank you.
once again, thank you to Emma Big and Dean Luke for such a great interview and on a topic that is interesting to say the least. You know, we're going to be following this for quite some time. And I don't I don't think at least for a little while, people really aren't going to get tired about hearing about, it. you know, this news come out and it's going to be eaten up real quick. Yeah. It's one of those things, and for good reason. It's a, it's a high-profile case. Right oh, now. my goodness. Oh, yeah. It is everywhere, all the time, all at once, pun intended. Ready to, all right, Cass. <laughs> so we got – okay, I see the Hamptons. Basically, mystery. okay, so we're going from looks, one end of the spectrum to the other, so just bear with me right, all right now. All right, all right. So on April 13th to the 16th, the Hamptons Mystery and Crime Festival, also known as – the Hamptons Wood Unit will be making its debut in the village of East Hampton, but the festival has announced that it canceled its panel on the Gilgo Beach serial killer. The panel titled The Elusive Long Island Serial Killer Gilgo was originally scheduled for April 16th with retired NYPD Sergeant Author Radio Host Joe Giacolone and documenta- documentary filmmaker Josh Zeman. And it was planned to be moderated by trial lawyer, author David Berg. The panel drew online criticism for potentially exploiting the murders of the young women. The festival co-director, Carrie Doyle, said, quote, We have decided not to proceed with the Long Island serial killer panel this year. Although all of our true crime programming is meant to be educational, thoughtful, and handled with sensitivity, we do not want to upset any members of the victims' families. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, okay. I see both sides of no, it. No, one hundred percent. I see Me both too. sides of it. I feel like, not to cut you off, I feel like you're doing this festival, which I would go to. One hundred percent. Yep. On Long Island, and you're not gonna include the main serial killer and that whole situation in it. Is interesting, but then I see the nature of the girls that were murdered and like you feel it for the families but then again there's so much stuff out there for this serial killer that it's weird that they're not gonna talk about it and have a panel about it my first question is when when was this uh when when was gilgo like you know in in the limelight when when was this person going about their uh, their business to put it lightly because I feel like, I mean, I'm one, I'm, I'm one that eats up like all the true crime kind of deal, you know, the unsolved cases and all that. I, I can sit down and watch those for hours on end. They're all very interesting. But I feel like you have to walk a line between entertainment and exploitation, especially with a, a topic as sensitive as this. It's not like we're talking about, you know, Jack the Ripper or the Zodiac Killer, things that have been done and dusted for quite some time. Like, you know, if it's, if it's, uh, you know, if, if it's kind of recent. It's, you're still kind of poking an open wound, you know what I'm saying? For for me, I think it's interesting. We look at the expansion of true crime, even just within the past five years, right? Netflix really has been one of the key proponents of that with all of these really popular specials. But, you know, I, I see the intrigue. Now, my dad's always the one, he's like, let's watch the new true crime thing. I'm always like, you know, it's a little dark. For me, I'd rather kind of stay on the lighter side. But the fact that it's such a popular genre, that the Hamptons is like, we need to have a murder, mystery, and crime festival, an entire, you know, couple-day event over this. It, it It's interesting because at one point, these it wasn't a popular enough genre to even think about something like that. 
Now it's a popular enough genre where they're having a festival. They then cancel part of it. It seems like people are pretty upset about that. But I have to think about, um, you know, as we were alluding to a little bit earlier, if I'm someone in the area, I don't want to talk about what had happened with that. If this was my community, I wouldn't want to have a whole festival that seems like, and again, they said that it's it's trying to be educational and they're trying to, you know, have dialogue. And I, I understand that, but sometimes there's old wounds you don't really want to open up. And especially it's something as unnerving as a serial killer for the community, you know, to, to have a whole couple days of people that are traveling on in, buying t-shirts, doing all this about a murder. Like I wouldn't really, I wouldn't really love that. So I can definitely see the opposition with this one. Yeah. And, uh, Alexa, she's been nice enough to to let me know that you know Gilgo was uh, was going about their business late '90s, early 2000s. So this is not you know this is this is not old by really any stretch of the imagination. It, it's still pretty uh, you know pr- pretty new-ish, I guess you could say. Like you know, it's it's still fresh in people's minds. So I can understand like on, on like like Cass said, on one side you want to add as much as you can, and and you know. Kind and make of, revenue and, for the area. Which yeah, and it's bring, attention, bring, a lot bring yeah. attention to the story. But at the same time, it's like, how much am I doing for education and how much am I doing for exploitation, you know, and just and profit? Exactly. I just think... You got to walk a line at that point. Yeah, it's a very hard situation to discuss and think about having a panel about it. Like, yeah. it's hard to explain because... It is. This is a very easy situation where you can see both sides, which doesn't happen often. Mm-hmm. But then it's like, kind of with what I said before, you're on Long Island. You know, like it's it's we it's weird. Yeah. You know, I don't know if I'm. I can see both sides easily because I am very into true crime. But I, mean, I don't know. I don't think you necessarily have to be into this whole like you know this this whole niche to understand it. Yeah. You just it, you got if to think about it just from an everyday perspective. A terrible crime happened. It's been a couple years. You know, people are gonna talk about it. That's what happens with things like this. They're made public for a reason. You know. But am I going to go and use it to sell tickets to a who done it crime festival i when you say that, that it's like it's okay a, yeah. whoa like yeah. what are we doing we've strayed so far from the original purpose yeah you know like what it, it, me sitting down like yo i saw this this really interesting documentary about what the zodiac killer and we go yeah. and sit down and talk about it verse hey i paid to go to this festival <laughs> to sit down and ask people about how other people were murdered that's yeah. a little crazy i don't i don't know if anybody feels the same but i think that's a, that's just a little out there yeah. Well, and the, and the the fact that the phrasing it, it it's a festival, not yeah, a not a not a panel, not a dialogue, not a you know a, a festival. You know, we're 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 gonna have a festival of murder. I I don't love it. I I don't like the sound that I see. Now I wasn't even thinking about it like that. You know, we're having a festival, not a not an expose, not a, not a yeah. panel, not an exhibit. No, we're a festival. I, I'm going to say this now. We, we're we're going to dive a little bit off topic here, but I want, I want you to hear me out. So I feel like especially when we look at this body of work for Morning Wake Up Call of Ronnie that we've been talking about this year, right? Yeah. We've, we've heard some pretty crazy crime, but it sounds like it's getting a little bit crazier, a little bit more intense, and a little bit more thought out. Dare I say this new, you know, kind of rise of true crime, I think unfortunately it has a lot of people that want to, you know, replicate that. 
and and that are getting inspired by it. And you know, I do think it's very important that we have these dialogue. But I think that we're walking. You know, we, we talked about it a lot. We keep using this phrase, but we are lo- we're walking that line. You know, I'm sure that someone that's sick in the head saw Dahmer and probably got some ideas, which is, you know, it, it, we need to learn, okay, all of the wrongs that happened with that and understand them and not repeat them. But we don't want to then give inspiration to them, future people, to try to do the same thing. So having all these people are so fascinated who done it. Oh, how did they do this? What were all the different steps? All that. Okay, well, why are you so interested in all these very specific steps? And, and you know, like, yeah, and, and again, I understand. This is a very popular genre, and a lot of people like it. I'm probably in the minority with it, but it just, it, it, it piques my curiosity, the fact that I feel like so much of this crime we're seeing, and these people are getting so, you know, intricate in how they're playing it out, you know, with, with the rise of it and how popular it is, especially in pop culture, it just, I think it's something we need to just pump the brakes on a little bit. You got a lot of people out there sweating bullets right now, Jason. Yeah. They're thinking, oh, wow, I like the, I like Dahmer a little bit too much. I, I, look, I, I show a little bit too heavy. I, I enjoyed it, too. I enjoyed it, too. But I just I sat there and I was like, this is too good of acting. This is too good of dramatization of it. You know, because the documentary, I think, is what captures it the best. Yeah, because you, The actual people involved, you're able to detach from the subject. Once you create something that has even the tiniest little drop of fiction in it, that's when, you know, you, you start to get on that line. Yeah, this yeah. wasn't a horror movie. This was talking about somebody who actually did this. Yeah. yeah. It's like, you know. Because that's another thing, right? Like, uh-huh. I've been to horror conventions. We love Jason. Oh, yeah, hockey mask guy. Like, because it's like it's fake. It's, it's cheesy. Yeah, it's, it's goofy, yeah. you yeah. know, versus like something where it's like, yeah, it happened right in our backyard here in the Hamptons. It sounds goofy. It doesn't have that same connotation. It's a serious, real, actually happened. People actually affected their lives or permanently changed. You know. Yeah, this guy was actually running around, you know, doing doing yeah. doing this. It's a little, little creepy, a little spooky. I don't know. It's unsettling. It is unsettling. It's unsettling. But there's a festival for it. <laughs> yeah, like I'm into the festival. right. Well, it's a little creepy, a little unsettling. That's terrible. <laughs> Let's throw a party for it. That's great. I'm in for it. I don't know about you guys. Wow, festival. Serial killers. I would have named it something different. 100% festival definitely ain't the word. I don't know about you, but that's definitely not the way to put it. No. The the Hamptons Day of Dialogue (laughs) on the, you know, like, (laughs) how are we going to do this? How are we we going to, you know, how are we going to beat around this bush and not look like terrible people? Or just stick to making documentaries Or just stick to making documentaries. I like that idea. I like that idea. I get to, I get to, you know, I don't have to pay to go anywhere. I can just sit on my couch and watch this story myself yeah that sounds a lot better to me than being like yo what'd you do over the weekend dog <laughs> now y'all not gonna believe this <laughs> <laughs> like, i don't I, I don't know how i feel about it it's a it's a little, it's a little weird a little out there well but. if you're a vendor at this thing does that oh mean there's money to be are, are, are you something like a blood punch pun, like how are you pun completely <laughs> intended you make a killing out of these things like <laughs> People are going to be spending money. Mm-hmm. So business-wise, this is an incredible idea. This is this is a great idea. Everything else, eh, I, I don't know. I think it's a good – I don't want to say it's a great idea, but it is – a good idea for the festival but the approach was wrong the approach is the approach was wrong wrong. the thought was there the approach was wrong watch we're talking we're talking all this one of us is ending up at it i i just imagine i i could imagine at the festival yeah i could imagine it'd be me yeah let's just be honest it would be me yeah cats will end up at this festival yeah 
she's gonna come back with like one of those uh, one of those Halloween things. You got like the the blade going through the head. And she's like, guys, look what I got. <laughs> Walking it's a, around it's with weak. them. That's like insensitive. A week week from no, all the no. That's what I'm murdered. saying. Like, cause that that's what the first thing that comes to mind is like really tacky things that they're selling completely for the sake of just making money. Yeah. Oh lord. Okay. I can imagine you walking <laughs> in with like, look, look, like strung these around like you got like you got Mickey ears, like. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, All right. Disney you know. World for true crime. Mm. Disney World for <laughs> true crime. Exactly. It is, it is a week. It is a week out. So you have some time to, to plan if you were to try to, uh, you know, take a take a visit over there. All right. Uh. <laughs> All right, all right. Check it out. So this is the story I've been talking up all morning because I found this a little, a little, a little out there. But all right, I'm gonna pose the question to you guys first. Have you ever wanted an exotic pet, as an exotic animal, as a house pet? And if so, which one would it be? Um, would a pig be considered? I mean, exotic? not I, in New Jersey. They sell them at the exotic pet store. That's why in my head I'm like, I feel like because like the the word exotic when it comes to pets, I think just like you know anything that's not a dog or a cat or like a bird or something like that. Okay, but like, so I'm thinking like exotic animal, like you know, like straight out the Lion King, like exotic animal. The, what was the? Where did we go? Um. Oh, are you talking about? Was it uh, Frank? Was it Franklin Square? It was Franklin Square. We went yeah. to an exotic pet store. <laughs> there, they had some interesting animals there. I, I'll say this while you're trying to figure out which which one for me. I don't actually want it because I know eventually it will get way too big. But when they're babies, a little baby pygmy hippo is the cutest oh. with the little rolls and a little face. Oh my god, that that little thing in my bathtub. We'd be besties. I'm but trying to think of an exotic animal. That, that it maybe like a me. tiger or something. Ooh, I want a red panda. I Ooh. love that. Oh. There you go, and they're not—they're not too big, I so it's them. like, yeah, I'll maybe like a my tiger like, or a oh, lion. Oh, a lion would be sick. So you said Joe Exotic when he said yeah. exotic pets. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, <laughs> I, I want a red panda. I'll put him in my backpack and we walk around all day. Like, oh wait, I would go. cry if I saw that. Right, that's like, so cute. Was, and was then the red panda? With my lion. <laughs> was that the Central Park thing like a yes. month ago? The red panda. I remember that discussion. <laughs> I said that exact thing. I was like, yeah. I will put you. I was talking to. Her. I was like, I will put you in my backpack and we will leave. Yeah. Like, you know, let's go. <laughs> but okay, so well, if you've ever wanted one, it looks like your time is running out because a new bill was just introduced in New York State Senate that would officially ban exotic animals from being imported and sold as pets. New York State Senator Monica Martinez sponsors the bill that will expand the definition of exotic animals so cast there may come a time where the pig is very much considered an exotic animal. I guess for, I, I well, think I now, can't have a pig because they don't like dogs oh, so it wouldn't work out. That's unfortunate. Yeah. I think now it's up for debate but like depending on how far this uh, this new bill expands the definition of an exotic animal they they will be banned i mean they actually i don't think so because they're not imported so think i think i think piggies might be safe it, this is also new york i'm from yeah, jersey I, I so think, it would be different but i think piggies will be safe oh my god i want it there's uh, this one mm. rosie the pig i'm so sorry continue the story it was so <laughs> cute rosie was a cutie patootie <laughs> so this bill expand the definition of exotic animals and ban the sale of those animals that should be kept in the wild Monica Martinez said, quote, these animals have requirements, specific conditions, and a habitat for survival. Larry Wallach ran a petting zoo with sloths for quite some time until the state shut it down for an injunction. He then moved to sales and started selling domesticated sloths, lizards, and tarantulas. However, says that the bill is now targeting him specifically. Okay. He, so he had a petting zoo with sloths? Yeah. Wait. Oh, I like that. Okay, sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's like the uh, the sloths, apparently. They're uh, so cute. They're so slow. 
We uh, or I do a kangaroo. Oh, there's so many options. Yeah. And so there's you have to like box your kangaroo to get it to come inside. That's fun. You just go a couple rounds of your kangaroo. Yeah. Thing. All right. I uh, I brought his name up earlier, but I can't help but think I really do think Tiger King had something to play in this because if you look at the legislation after that documentary came out and the amount of states that now are rolling back a lot of the different restrictions with that, I definitely think it had a, because they realized this is something where it was it was total lawlessness. You could go to so many different states in this country where there's almost nothing in any of the legislation about um, you know anything to do with getting the animals, breeding the animals, selling the animals. So the entire, you know, the quote-unquote black market they had of it was really, and, and they're trying to crack down on it, but still, you know, you have enough money, you can really get anything that you want. But it it's scary because some of these species are, you know, right on that border of being they're extinct, yeah. and they're selling them for a lot more money as a result of that. And then they're also then, it's like, they're, they're kind of playing the hand of God, right? Like this species is, you know, within, you know, the last couple members of its, of its group, and then, you know, it's being sold off, and who knows where it's going to go. And the whole process, which they go about it, right? Like they, they sell these things as if they're just a like a dog or a cat. Well, not, not even a dog or a cat. They're like it's like they're not even a, a living being. It's just something to make money on. And you know the conditions that a lot of them end up being in, as they as they brought up, and one of the main reasons why they're they're putting this bill, they need to be in the right conditions. Yeah, these yeah. animals were not meant to be in crazy climates that are super foreign to them, and with different animals that they're not used to. You know, like the whole ecosystem that they're not used to. So there's there's so many issues that come with it, and I I do think ultimately, you know, for the just overall the the animals themselves, the quality of life, like you, you have to have a lot more stuff like this. Oh, I know one thing that I want to bring up because this is actually kind of funny. Wallach actually had a, has a quote here, and I'm assuming that he was asked why he thinks the bill is targeting him specifically, okay. and it says, "quote Because until I did the sloth store, we never had all this craziness." The sloth well, because store because you you had a petting zoo, uh-huh. which a petting zoo. Down. And then you put your I have my own issues with petting zoos. In a store. Yeah. And then you sell your sloths. I mean, I'm all for, like, exotic pets. I think they're really cool and all. But, like, I'm a big dog-cat guy. Do I see the need why people need to own, like, Pokemon? No. I, I, I don't, agree. I don't really I understand. <laughs> like, as much as I say I will I will take a red panda and, you know, me and, me and that red panda will run away together. <laughs> like, it'll be great. But... These things, like, you know, they they need they are like they said. There's certain requirements, and I'm all for a dog or a cat. I don't need to be, you know, going through the tall grass and got to catch them all kind of deal. Like that's not that's not me. Got to catch them all kind of deal. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, so with the sloths, right? Why would you want a pet sloth? Like you just want it to sit there and sleep all day? Like what do you what do you gain? Me and the, if I had a sloth, we'd be besties. So you just you be it'd taking... be me and Max, but me and. The sloth, but what just taking naps every day. I don't know. I didn't really, I didn't really get that far because I never thought about Maybe having Sid? a sloth. Did you give it a like, little, little, yeah. little homage? Go Sid. Yeah, <laughs> said the sloth. Said the sloth. But do you know how many people probably bought one and named it that? Sid the sloth. <laughs> <laughs> probably. I I can only imagine. I mean, really, how many people bought? I don't want to know how many how many sloths are bought because then that opens up a whole other can of worms. If you're like, why is this going on? But then he also sold the lizards and tarantulas. One of my professors has a tarantula, and we found that out that this week. And I was like, "Whoa, like, dude, I don't do that." Tarantulas give me the give me the heebies and the jeebies. Like, I don't do lizards it. either, but that's a different. I think story. lizards are cool. I could do a little lizard, little gecko, little salamander kind of dude. I don't. No. I, a tarantula not happening. My dad told me. A story. I would do a snake before I did a lizard. I don't know about it. Actually, it depends on the snake. 
snakes no, kind of like give a me big python. Do you know nope, how sick that would be? No, oh. Wrong. I don't like. <laughs> I don't like no, thank like you. Those cobra? those creep me out. My uh, my dad told me a story. A family friend of his had uh, a tarantula as a pet, and he had it. In, he had it in, 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 in a, a box, of course. Right <laughs> and he had it in, in a box, of course. But when he would go to bed, he'd have to put two bricks on the cage because the tarantula would jump and push the box open and nope. get out. No. Nope. nope. Nope, nope, nope. No, 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 no. Could not be me. Like, why do I? Why do you need a tarantula? Why do you want a pet that you need to do that every day? <laughs> like, that you're terrified of? Like, oh. yeah, I feed you, but you scare me. Like, you know, I don't. Yeah. I'm only making. And, like, the tarantula's like, you're only making me stronger. Like, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you're, only, you're only making me better. <laughs> <laughs> it's scary, bro. Yeah. And for what? It's terrifying. <laughs> I don't want this tarantula in my house. Like, yeah, no. <laughs> You're only playing it to my plan, foolish old man. Like that's. <laughs> It's scary. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. No. It creeps there, me out. There's a reason why they're meant to be in the wild. Leave them in their natural habitat, and that is the that. And that's that. That yeah. is that is that. Yeah. All right. So with that being said, I think that's gonna end this uh, th- this this episode of Pokemon because I'm I'm done talking <laughs> about these you know these in- crazy animals. But don't go anywhere because we'll be right back with our second hour, and we got even more great news for you. So we'll be right back. Proudly broadcasting from the Richard. You discovered. You discovered a cornerstone of the Lawrence Herbert School of Communication. WWRHU. Hofstra's morning wake-up call. Morning wake-up call. Lively talk. Long Island life. National news. International issues. Through the minds and mouths of Hofstra students. You're listening to the Hofstra Morning Wake-Up Call only on 88.7 FM Radio Hofstra University. All thoughts and opinions stated here on the Hofstra Morning Wake-Up Call do not reflect the views of 88.7 FM WRHU and its management, Hofstra University, as well as its board of trustees. All contrasting views can be sent to programming at WRHU.org or to 111 Hofstra University, Hempstead, New York, 11549. Good morning, and thank you for joining us here on 88.7 FM, Radio Hofstra University. We're in the second hour of the Thursday edition of the Morning Wake Up Call, where we're talking Long Island life, national news, and international issues. Once again, I'm your host, Ronnie Gonzalez, joined by Cassandra Faber and Jason White. In our second hour, we got an Egyptian swimmer setting a world record, a five-year-old goes on quite the shopping spree, and of course, the next edition of Throwback Thursday. It's going to be a good one, so make sure to stick around. Back in action, hour number We're two. We're back. Let's go. A lot more news, a lot less tarantulas. Yes, I'm, that's I'm not, the plan. That's, that's the plan. Staying away from these exotic creatures. I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not too down for it. No, me either. 
We yeah. really did a, a 180 there, you know. Yeah. Some, some like hard news, and then we went into the tarantulas. Yeah, <laughs> like, dubious little creature, most definitely up to some mischief. Like I don't, I'm not, I'm not down for it. No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Before we get into you know all our all our big stories for the second hour, Cass got to give us some update on these news headlines. Yes. So all right, NYC reaches contract agreement with PBA. Official sources say, New York City announced yesterday morning that they have reached a new contract with police union officials for nypd rank and file officers who have been working for six years without a deal after the earlier pact expired in 2017. governor hochel addresses rash of swatting events across new york state including on long island new york governor kathy hochel has announced that over 50 school districts across the state have been plagued by alleged swatting incidents all of them unfounded unfounded and posing no actual threat to the public and that her administration is working with law enforcement to bring those responsible to justice famed z100 radio host elvis duran attacked by weapon wielding sicko in new york city z100's legendary elvis duran was reportedly attacked by a woman in new york city on monday wielding a sharp object, although the famed radio host managed escape without any injuries. A Brentwood woman pleads guilty to manslaughter after leaving scene of deadly pedestrian strike. Suffolk County District Attorney Raymond A. Tierney announced that 22-year-old Madeline Henriquez pleaded guilty to running over a woman and killing her, fleeing the scene, and attempting to hide her vehicle, which had sustained extensive damage from the crash. And finally, Suffolk County Legislator approves hotel tax increase. The Suffolk County Legislator said on Tuesday, overwhelming approval, raising a tax on hotel stay to fund cultural and tourism promotion agencies, as well as projects surrounding the proposed Ron Konkuma Convention Center. E, the, the hit and run is the one that got me. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I don't because I don't understand how you can just pack up and go after that. Like I get the yeah. I get the whole deal of being shocked and being and being scared, but I don't I don't know how you can just all right you know get back in the car yeah. and drive away like you know. I mean, at least she pleaded guilty. I, I I think the the point with all those stories like that is it's just the person realizes look it's either you know I maybe can escape and have a shot or I'm going to jail and you know it, it it's one of those kind of things where there's there, there's just nothing good about it and. It's really unfortunate, but again, with so many of those stories, that, that's what it is. Is because it's obviously a discharge. Like she, she's gonna be in jail for a very, very long time, and rightfully so. But yeah, yeah. All right, so we'll take a little, a little look at the at the weather and, and see those updates. Not much has changed. You know, not not much has changed. It's currently 52 degrees outside now of our WRG studios here at Hofstra. Up in the sky, is still foggy, still real ominous, real creepy, and the rest of the day should remain the same. And but there there is some rain coming later in the day and pretty consistently it's gonna be it's gonna be around for quite some time I think anywhere from like four o'clock to nine o'clock at night. Okay. Maybe I actually don't quote me on that. It might go a little bit longer. I I, I assume so. Then the rest of the day it has we have an expected high of seventy two which is really nice but again with the rain it probably won't feel like a, a true seventy two. And then in the evening we're dropping back down to fifty one so. It's gonna be. It's. I mean, I guess it's a pretty nice night. You know, fifty-one yeah. for fifty-one for for the evening is pretty good. Yeah. So it's not not a, not a bad day. Not not too not too crazy with the weather here. 
We're, I'm, I'm okay with that. We're getting to that tail end of I think the winner is finally getting kicked out. Yep. And, uh, you know. Now, now I just need to get through the rain for like a million weeks on end, and then then we're in the good stretch. <laughs> yeah. Then, then, yeah. Then, then we'd be good to go. All right. So speaking of good to go, we're all set to take a, to take away our first story, and this one this one seems pretty uh pretty inspiring just by the looks of like the, the the title. Yeah. It it's intriguing. So you know we have a lot of records in the world with being able to swim, but being able to swim with handcuffs that is another story. An Egyptian swimmer put his skills to the test and broke a Guinness World Record when he swam for over seven miles while wearing handcuffs. Shahib Alam, 31, claimed the Guinness World Records title for the farthest distance swimming wearing handcuffs when he completed his 7.24-mile swim in the open waters of the Arabian Gulf. Alam broke the previous record of 5.35 miles set by U.S. swimmer Benjamin Katzman in 2021. The record-breaking swim took Alam almost six hours to complete. Quote, during the training, I used to attract curious glances when I have the handcuffs on. To avoid drawing too much attention, I prefer to swim in quieter areas, typically near the limit line of the beaches, although I still receive some stares, Alam told GWR. Alam said that he might someday be able to break his own record as he is still perfecting the technique he calls the double arm pull and modified side stroke. Quote, the feeling of being the record-breaking elite gives me a sense of being a superhero, and it drives me to maintain my position in the records for as long as possible. I can't think of swimming with handcuffs on. I just want to know, like, how he did it. Like, I understand the technique, but, like, I need to see, like, a video of it. Technique and everything aside... I want to know because I well, I think what is more intriguing about the, and then the fact that he did this is that he broke a record that was already set. Where did these people wake up and decide, you know what, swimming is fun, swimming is great, but what if we swam with handcuffs? I I don't I, I don't understand the, the thought process. I think it's really cool, and I I give credit where credit is due. That's an incredible feat, but I want to know where the idea came from. Did you wake up one day and was like, huh? You know what? I got these handcuffs, and I'm feeling like taking a dip. Why don't we try doing both at the same time? I don't. I feel like I don't know. Cause like I don't. <laughs> Where do you get like, the idea? On my newsline show on Tuesdays, we do do a world record segment, but mm-hmm. I never really thought about where the people got the idea from. Yeah, that's what I want to know. I- I'm just perplexed. I can't even th- I can't even think about swimming seven miles with no handcuffs yeah. in, in an Olympic. Can't even think about swimming. Yeah, in, in an Olympic pool, you're putting this guy in the Arabian Gulf seven miles, and he did it in just a couple hours. It, I mean, that's imp- the, the the strength that he had to have to do that. And I'm thinking, so it's called a double arm pull. So maybe it's like with the cuffs. It's kind of like he then uses it in a downward motion that then it kind of thrusts his body and he uses the um you know the back legs but, but then the it handcuffs says side be behind his no if it was behind his body he wouldn't be able to do the stroke at all so it had to be they'd have to be in front of him. and it says side stroke so I'm assuming he's throwing his arms around and kind of like turning his body to the side but that's a lot of work. Y- especially yeah. in water it, it, oh yeah in the Gulf I don't that's why I'm like. Whoa. Like, that's tough. 
I mean, kudos to those men. Oh, I, I absolutely. But but whoa, that's a lot. Whoa, that's a lot. With handcuffs is crazy. And like, I think the the fact that he's like, yeah, you know, I get some weird looks. Like, yeah, yeah you look swimming with handcuffs. You're one, you're swimming with con- with handcuffs, and I'm pretty sure somebody on this beach is like, well, somebody broke out of prison and yeah. is trying <laughs> to escape. Like, you know, you know, <laughs> it looks it looks a little funny. Like, yeah. This guy's on the run, and we're just kind of watching it happen. Oh, oh, he came back. Like, you know, like, I don't, I don't know where this, where it comes from. It's a little, it's funny to talk about, but it is a, an incredible, you know, a, incredible feat. Seven point two four miles. That's a long and, time. And, yeah. and he beat the old record by two miles. So that it's not like, oh, I kind of beat it. Like he totally topped that in, yeah, his, in his own. And it's like, oh, yeah, I could probably beat my own record once I perfect this stroke. It's like, how much more do you plan on yeah. swimming with handcuffs? Yeah, that, that, it's wild. People are crazy. Hey, like, people it, come up with ideas. They do. All right. You All right. Get the, New the poll. New poll. All right, what's the poll? If you could swim with a random object that would impede your ability to swim, what would, which one would you choose and why? Like, you go first. Mm. I didn't think I was have to answer my own question. So, so <laughs> is is this just simply like what we think we could realistically? Yeah, what what realistically? What could you bring with you that is absolutely useless, but you'd swim with it if the opportunity presented itself? Now, I did this in swim class a lot. <laughs> Such in, a in, stupid in question. <laughs> yeah, I did. But th- that's kind of where I get the idea that this guy was yeah, like, right? you know what, handcuffs. We we did in a uh, high school in swim class. We would we'd swim with the weights. Wait, wait. And you took a swim class in high. School. Oh, it was one of the worst things I've ever had to you do. You guys yeah. had a pool in your high school? Yeah. yeah, so at 8 o'clock every morning, I was in the freezing cold Plymouth White Marsh pool, swimming laps and doing all the other stuff, but they had these weights, and you, I would, I try to challenge myself. Like I was like, oh, let me be a Navy SEAL. So I get as many weights as I could, <laughs> and then I jump in the pool and sink right to the bottom. You have to swim up. And like, you know, it gets a little bit scary because you're trying to get up to yeah. 10 feet. Jason but... White, it is 8 o'clock in the morning. You are, what, 15 years old? <laughs> yeah. you, are, like, Facts. you know, everybody in this, everybody at the school is like, you know, I just came to take a little morning dip, wake up before the class, and Jason White is like, you know, there's nothing better than true grit. Yeah. <laughs> but so I would do, I would do weight because I, I, I have a little bit of prior experience so maybe maybe i could do something with that i don't, I don't know <laughs> i do my apple watch i don't know whoa that really that really impeded the ability huh it it, it must be yeah. so hard to swim when you know your heart rate yeah well because i'd get a text and i'd have to look at you know, it give me the marconi i'm yeah. swimming okay. with the marconi yeah okay if you drop it though if we're talking hands it may be like a water bottle i don't know i'm going 7.25 with the marconi <laughs> 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 that's what i'm doing there you go Give me, give me the Marconi. You know what? Give me all four of them. That would, that would be what, what a statement of RHU, right? right? Like we had someone swim with four Marconis, <laughs> not lose them, not damage them, and then you know, separate. and then bring them back and they would tell the story. Look at that. It'd be pretty uh, epic. That'd be it would good. be pretty epic. You know what? That'd be good. We're gonna have to. We're gonna have to. You know what? Jason Wyke is gonna have to. We're gonna have to go all go to Jason's Jason's high school. And take a dive with the Marconis. So you had swim class at 8 a.m.? Well, well. so here's what's funny. Yeah, hold on. Can we yeah. talk about that? <laughs> yeah. So, so it, it, it's like a rite of passage, right? So everyone had to take the freshman year health and fitness class, and we had to do a biathlon. So you had to run a mile and swim a mile. So we well, I would, could do that. I think that's cool. We we would train extensively so that everyone would be, like, ready to go for when, we, when you got tested on it. And then you would just kind of, like, 
take a guess on your time. And if you were within like five minutes of it, you got an A. And, you know, like for a lot of people, especially me, like I was running track at that point. So the running wasn't an issue, but for swimming, it was like, I'd swim at the beach, I'd do whatever, but like swimming fast and efficiently, I hadn't done. So it's yeah. like my time was really hurt by the swimming. Um, and again, like you have to think about that, like freshman year, there's so many things going on in your life. And then you're going in the pool, it's freezing cold, you don't have to rush after class, you know, you're all, your hair is all soaked, your clothes are usually wet, like it was, but then after that though, it made every year feel so much easier, because then an 8 a.m. class where you're not in a pool is just that much easier. I mean, at that point, like, I don't even want to be in a regular 8 a.m. class, like I just came from, you know, sprinting and swimming some laps, and now I gotta go sit down and learn about King Charles, like I don't think (laughs) I want to do that, I want to go back to the pool, you know? The, the thing we had to do, I had to uh, run like the mile every year. Mm-hmm. I had to run the mile, and then we had to do uh, like fit, uh, sit-ups and push-ups. No and, like, uh, fitness had... grand pacer test? No, no, no. Catholic I high did schools that in, like... did, not, uh, did not do the, the fitness grand pacer test. I did the fitness grand pacer test in like elementary school, but high school, I never had to do any of that. Yeah, did, no. Did you have a gym class? Like, yeah. Normal? Okay. Yeah, so, I had a gym class, but I didn't do anything in it. Yeah. Oh, it... Come on, Cass. It's interesting. No, right? like we like, literally did not do anything. Oh, okay. We would get, right. we would like change. We do our little warm up so the teachers can take attendance. Yep. And we'd go outside if it was nice out and walk the track. Then if it wasn't nice out, we'd play volleyball or sit on our on our phones. No, no. Listen, this is this is simply where we lie different because that gym class ball went crazy. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Like gym class ball was the you thought you thought the NBA finals were high <laughs> octane like gym class ball was the next level above it. it. We 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 had many a heated match when we weren't in the pool of different sporting because we you know as we just go in the gym you could play whatever you wanted and like yeah, yeah that those are the days huh. Right, like think about now. Like, when was the last time you had a class in college where it was like you just you did something random, random and like fun like that? Right, you know. I, I feel like in high school you had a lot of those moments that you kind of take for granted. Yeah. Yeah, I I can get behind that. Yeah. 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 You know, th- those like I remember we we had uh we'd reenact every now and then like historical events. So one day this is in eighth grade, but still like close to high school. We we literally reenacted Valley Forge. Like went outside in the Ooh. freezing cold and we're like, let let's take a little little sample of what it would be like. And it was it was an experience. But guess what? Did anyone on that quiz get the questions about Valley Forge wrong? Absolutely not, because we all remembered it. I'm not gonna lie. Like I'm laughing, but I'd be in it. Like yeah, <laughs> in we, eighth grade especially. I'd be in yeah, it. we ate the hard crackers. Like it was horrible. <laughs> like, I'm really getting out the mud. Like this is what. <laughs> Like you thought, there's patriotism and then there's grit, and I'm just <laughs> in it. Like you're you're ready to go, General von Steuben. He'd be he'd be so proud of you. Von, I'm doing this for Steuben, bro. Von Steuben is the guy. Like <laughs> hey, we're out here. I'm trying my absolute hardest. Like give me the flag that is everywhere. Did did we just set up a perfect segue, Ronnie? I think we did. So well, some some major U.S. conflicts. Like, yeah, hold on. major U.S. conflicts and patriotism almost relates to our package. <laughs> so we're following the theme again, Ronnie. We're gonna we're gonna hop in the portal. You know, we're gonna we're gonna go back in time. It's another portal day. Going through the time warp again. Yeah. And uh, you know, we're we're gonna keep the theme here. We'll we'll gauge the audience. Anyone wants to call in last enough they like the on this day in history, but actually going to the day. That's at least what the current format is. So. Ronnie, I think we can take it away. All right, let's take a listen. Hello, I'm Jason. Welcome to another edition. Oh, man, not again. 
The United States of America has officially entered World War One, following a declaration of war against Germany by President Woodrow Wilson. In a historic address before a joint session of Congress, the President stated that the world must be a safe place for democracy, and called upon Congress to authorize military action against Germany. Two days ago, the United States Senate voted 82 to 6 to declare war against Germany. The U.S. House of Representatives endorsed the declaration by a vote 373 to 50. The declaration of war was met with both cheers and tears across the country. Supporters of the war believe the United States has a duty to fight for freedom and democracy, while opponents worry about the toll the war will take on American lives and resources. President Wilson has pledged the United States will fight the war with the utmost vigor and determination. He has already authorized the deployment of thousands of troops and the construction of new military facilities across the country. As the country prepares for war, the world watches with bated breath. The United States' entry into the conflict could turn the tide of the war and lead to a lasting peace, or it could prolong the conflict and lead to even more devastation. Only time will tell. Man, these jumps are really intense. First Reagan last week, now World War I this week. Unfortunately, on these days in history, the past two weeks, they've been a little bit more grim. But ultimately, the lasting impact of World War I is generally positive, as the United States was able to re-enter the stage as a global superpower and one of the most important military forces still to this very day. Sadly, it would ultimately lead to World War II, but the United States as a whole saw much better ways of military conflict, technology, and economic performance as a result of the conflict. That's all the time we have for this day in history, Throwback Thursday. For the morning wake-up call, I'm Jason Weig. Jason, once again, another great package, and this one going going great way job, back. Great job, Jason. Going like, way back. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, I mean, isn't it crazy to think about? Right, that's over a hundred years now. World War One. I, I, I feel like even even as a kid, like I thought that it was a long time ago, but it really it feels a lot longer. Um, and, and when you look at that, right, like I talked about Congress. It, it wasn't like World War II where everybody immediately wanted to get into the conflict. That was a little bit more of, you know, there were a lot of people that were very apprehensive. But then you look at it, right, like we, we're talking about North Korea. We're talking about all these foreign policy events. That's what set the stage of the modern United States because from there, that was when we became the power, the military force. And really on the global stage is kind of the person that people listen to. And, you know, like for that to already be on this day that many years ago, it, it, it's crazy because it, it, it's something like, right, we, we always talk about history, but, like, you look at that 100 years ago, it feels ancient, but, like, it's really not. Yeah, you know, 100 years sounds like a lot, but in retrospect, like, if we take everything into consideration, it's not. You know, it's it's still— it's a, you're, you're flipping one page back. It's a lifetime away, just, you know, a singular lifetime, which is crazy to think about because at that point, what, everybody was, it was you know, gearing up and ready to go. Like, that that's—it was life-changing to say the least. You can't—I don't think— you can really wrap your head around the world being at war unless you were, you know, you were really in it. Yeah. There, you know, you're going and you're 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 going from you know, being in in school, you know, working your little job to well, now I'm on, you know, some European theater of war, digging trenches miles long, and I don't see my family for like four years. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, that it's hard to wrap your head around. It's a little, it's a little crazy and the fact that it was another yet one more year away and still so recent. Yeah, is a, is a little crazy to think about, but this sto- this next story, 
just as crazy, but not as not as difficult to wrap your head around. At least I think it looks. Uh, it's it's a little out there though. It's, it's pretty funny. Cash, what do you got for us? So I'm just gonna preface this by if I were to have a kid, this would be my kid. Uh oh. Okay. Uh oh. In Massachusetts, a mom let her five-year-old daughter play with her phone during a car ride. Everything seems fine, right? Mm -hmm. Great. She's playing games on the phone. Jessica Nunes thought her daughter, Lila, was playing games, but turns out she ordered nearly $4,000 worth of child-sized motorcycles and cowboy boots, cowgirl boots on Amazon. Lila brought, bought five child-sized pink dirt bikes, five child-sized blue dirt bikes, 10 pairs of woman-sized seven cowgirl boots, and a battery-powered child-sized Jeep for a whopping total of $3,922. Luckily, Jessica was able to cancel the orders for the boots and half the dirt bikes, but the remaining motorcycles and the Jeep later arrived at her home. Jessica says she doesn't know how Lila found the items, but the motorcycle, the motorcycles have been on Lila's mind since the day before. Jessica said, quote, There was an older boy with a bike, and Lila was devastated, was devastated because she was too young to ride it. I don't know how she found the exact item. When Jessica talked to Lila about the shopping spree, Lila simply said, this is, this is the best part, I just wanted it and I got it. Nice. <laughs> Jessica is using this situation as a teachable moment. Jessica said, quote, I did tell her that maybe if she acts right, she behaves and she does some chores around the house so we can get her a bike that's more geared towards her age range, a little slower maybe. All I have to say is Lila knew exactly what she wanted, and she did what she had to do to get the motorcycle. All right, all right, all right, all right. You can't even tell me that would not be my kid. No, listen, listen. That, right. that aside, I just, okay. Are we aware of the uh, of the, uh, the ethnic background of uh, of of Jessica Nunez? Well, Nunez, but I mean, listen. It's a as parents, parents who are very, very much Hispanic. This dog is just not gonna hunt. I'm not getting away with. It. I just wanted it and I got it. That is four <laughs> bands that I just spent on motorcycles and boots. I am getting. I am getting the business from the time that that phone is given back until the the last one of those items arrive at the house. Okay, do you understand how much trouble I would be in if I did this? Like, granted. I very much want a dirt bike and would not hiss at some cowboy boots. <laughs> but, I mean, come on. That is four grand. Yeah, uh, she wanted it and she got she it. She wanted it and she I got it. Even, I like, got to respect it, but, yeah. man, that's four grand. That's is, there, is there any shot of a refund or are they completely? Yeah, they I got, was thinking the same thing. Are they out of the money? or She canceled the order so when you cancel something on amazon the money does come back to you so she did half the boots and the other so it all came to the house they then just returned it back and got refunded well i think she canceled the orders yeah wait that's for, another she question. canceled it on the app so before it even came here then how did she end up getting the other half of the items because sometimes with that type of stuff you can't like cancel it it might have already been shipped out so they can't do anything about that whoa yeah because amazon's weird whoa. With that. yeah they they need to put better safeguards I mean, in place no but not only that like, what happened to the uh, possible fraud um alert because if i'm if you know my banker jerry if you're out there is listening to is you know is watching four grand 
end up disappear. on my account and it's all child-sized dirt bikes, I'm pretty sure I'm going to get a call like, hey, what's going on? Like, are we, are we buying? Like one child-sized dirt bikes. Ten. Yeah, no, it wasn't you like one pink, and a pair blue. of boots. No, it was like... <laughs> Ten dirt bikes. Just ten take dirt these bikes, ten dirt bikes. Ten pairs of shoes. You know and what? Battery power. I'm gonna look up. I'm gonna. I'm. I'm going to Amazon, and I'm gonna look up this like child sized dirt bike, and we're gonna see how much one costs. It's probably like the little. The little razor like. Yeah. Child sized dirt. That's razor what I'm thinking. Dirt bike. We'll see. Let's see what, how much this costs. Well, while you're looking, Ronnie, so I just feel like why can't Amazon and, and all the places when you're ordering online, right, put something in so that if a kid were to try to buy, they couldn't do it, right? So let's say that it would be like what, you know, it asked you like a security Maybe. question, like, you know, let's say that you're married. Where did you and your husband get married or something like that? Where then? But those are questions that like a five-year-old would ask their mom, you know, type of thing. But that, no. if I heard if it, I'm, uh, if, if I'm watching my kid on my phone in the back of my car and she looks at me and goes, Dad, what's your social security number? Or like, you know, when? Well, do, that's obvious. You know, that's like, different. I mean, but think, if it, like the, the security, I'm going like off the security. Yeah, yeah that, I, I get very, it, like, but like, I, it is. But I'm like, but then again, how did she make it that far? And why does your daughter know how to order these things off Amazon just by herself? Like. I mean, I'm talking a lot, but I'm looking at these dirt bikes. I'm like, yo, this is kind of fire. I'll buy one right now. <laughs> like, we got okay. So the most expensive one that I see here is six seventy four for a Razor okay. Ra Razor Dirt Rocket Electric Motocross so off road bike, it, which is on sale from seven seventy nine. Okay, no, so this that is, one's too expensive. So this is pushing eight hundred dollars with this one alone. Yeah, so she probably did a cheaper one because that came out to like six thousand dollars, and she only spent four. Let's see. Or like um, I have my calculator app open. I'm we like, got do this right all right. Now. The cheapest one I see is two sixty eight, right now. Two sixty eight times ten. Oh wait, I divided that. Two sixty eight times ten. So then, yeah, it was the two sixty eight because that brought it to half of it, plus and then the plus ten the pairs of boots. boots. All right, now and we the power, the Jeep is another. I had one of those actually. I had one. The Jeep mm -hmm. is like two three hundred. Jeep is great. Yeah, we'll just go three hundred for that. But yeah, I'm looking yeah, at these so dirt bikes. The I'm like, hey, you know, listen, if you still got one and you need to get your hands off of it, you need to get it off your hands. Uh, I'll be willing to take a child sized dirt bike. <laughs> we go work something out. I'll bring five cash and then we could, uh, you know, we could talk about it. I, I think it might be just a little too tall, Ronnie. Maybe just a little <laughs> bit, but that's. I, not, I might get away with the child sized dirt bike. But that's not, it's not, bro. I saw one of those. <laughs> I saw one of them coming back from a haircut when I was a wee lad, and I was like, listen, somebody is getting me on that bike, <laughs> and there is nothing you can do about it. I, my, I looked at my dad, and he was like, learn how to ride a real, a regular bike, and we could talk about it. I went home that night, <laughs> and I figured it time. out. I was like, listen, I'm getting my, I'm getting myself this dirt bike. Never happened, though, so I might have to just splurge and just be like, I'm putting it on my dad's car and be like, listen, you had an IOU. Yeah. I had to, I just ca I had to cash yeah. in, you know, I, I had to it. cash in. I would do it. Like, look at these things. They're, they're, they're cool. If only we could show the viewers yeah. the, uh, the the child Describe size dirt bike. All right, all right, all right. So you ever if you've ever seen let me let me if you've ever seen uh you know an SX three fifty dirt bike right just looks uh, to me it looks kind of like a it looks like a Yamaha nice like the classic green Yamaha this one is signed hold on by I don't know who but it's like it's a motocross replica so I'm assuming it's somebody that has to do with motocross. I think it's actually signed by the girl. It was one of the ones she uh, <laughs> Yeah, you know, this is she's such an icon in you know, credit card fraud that <laughs> she designed this dirt bike. It's Imagine explaining that though to like Oh, it's DC. Your banker. 
Oh, this is cool. This makes it even better. I'm gonna buy one of these. Okay. I'm can even, you bring I'm, it in here? I will write it to school. Perfect. I can. I can hear. Bro, imagine writing this around campus. Yeah, that would be. That'd, that'd be, be fun. That'd, that'd be, be like so certain. fun. That'd be fun. You get a little like because they look like little pit bikes. So like, if we get a whole group of people. <laughs> this is the cutest thing I've ever seen in my life. Like, we get a, a whole group of people and start riding around these little pit bikes around campus. Like, <laughs> bro, this would be the coolest thing ever. I'll never go to class. I'll just rip up the campus. Like, <laughs> got a little group of like six guys riding around these bikes. Like, come on. So if there's ever tire marks all over campus, you I know think, who uh, did it. It was the it happened. was the goon squad. I was rolling around. <laughs> we know what happened. It's like you know you've heard it. I need we need a name now because they got I'm th- like you got sons of anarchy and then you said sons of tomfoolery like this is what yeah, we're just doing yeah. <laughs> children of tomfoolery children of tomfoolery and that. I'm ripping up ripping up Hofstra University on my razor dirt bike I still am just like how did Amazon not how do you not get anything that's four, four bands on dirt bikes and cowgirl boots. And the Jeep. And well, the, the, the fact and that it was that many of them, like they weren't like, are no, you sure it wasn't you want to like buy one? It was ten. Yeah, are you sure you don't want to buy? Are you sure you want to buy ten pairs of like, you know, it's a little fishy. They, they couldn't figure that out. It's like no, no little, no alert, nothing. Just she might have got the alert, but the the oh, yeah, kid the mo- had the phone. That's true. The kid had the phone, so you could just exit you know, out. But I'm saying you don't. The check kid's smart enough to find Amazon and go and order something. But I'm saying you don't check it. your bank. Like you don't. You don't sit down and be like, hmm, let me see, we got going. We got left in the tank. Like you know, you open up the bank statements, you see like minus four thousand dollars <laughs> from you, Amazon. Yeah, like is nobody gonna nobody gonna say anything? Like mm, you know, just I I mean. I'm assuming. I just. I want to know. Did they, how did she really? Did this little girl really get away with it? Her mom was like, "Oh, cute. You know, she wanted it. She got it. Oh my god. Like, no, that's not how that works. She just dropped four grand on your card. The kid probably got away with it. To be honest, what are you gonna do if you're talking about it in the news? I mean, I'm you gotta reprimand like, your kid. But if you're talking about it, like to news outlets and stuff. Like I'm not, I'm not saying you go and like you know praise you, the kid. Yeah, you, like you go and like assault the kid. Or I'm no. like you gotta, you gotta give him some kind of talking. Yeah. You gotta be like, yo, you know, I spent five dollars on my mother's card in middle school because okay. I wanted some camos on Call of Duty, and I and she came down and like gave me the business, bro. <laughs> I I know that I, I spent five dollars. <laughs> All I wanted was my dog to look like a wolf, and I got the business. <laughs> this girl dropped four grand on a dirt bike, multiple dirt bikes, and she's like, huh. All I'm, like, all I'm thinking is I can I can hear Jay White Senior in my head. That's my dad, and I can just envision. Are you out of your mind? Like, like I can envision it would be like like someone be like, oh like that's crazy. You know your kid's gonna get on the news. He'd be like, yeah, but not for the reason of like talking about the story. Like it's gonna be for him getting by bars. Someone's on the news. Yeah, like. like <laughs> oh, our parents are freaks. Like yeah, four thousand dollars. Four grand is crazy. Four grand is putting crazy. us out on the street with that. Where like. that's like that's 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 a that's mo- that's a car note. That's <laughs> no, thank you. No, I'm not having it. I, that, at that point, it's like you're not you are not showering, you are not eating, you are not yeah. doing any. I'm not turning on the heat. Like you're no. getting. You're, you're not one of mine anymore. You are you are gonna you're gonna be trapping out all these utilities <laughs> until you pay back what you just spent. No hot water. That's it. No, no hot, hot water. water. Nope. All right, we are we now okay. We're into everybody's favorite part of the show, our woot, in, woot. our entertainment news. Woot woot, yes indeed. Woot woot. All right, and I, like a little a little touchback for 
you know, for for all of our basketball fans out there, with the month of April slowly maturing, the madness of March has come and gone, and with it comes a new champion. However, it's one that's not it's no stranger to the crown. Monday night, the University of Connecticut Huskies completed its full hand it completed a full hand of rings by taking the tournament away from the San Diego State University Aztecs with a final score of seventy six to fifty nine. However, it wasn't just the end that put them in the spotlight. The Huskies became just the fifth team since the 1985 NCAA bracket expansion to win all six tournament games by double digits on their way to the championship. Having previously won 1999, 2004, 2011, and 2014 tournaments, the university is now tied with Duke and Indiana in number of wins, with four of the five happening in the state of Texas alone. I mean, congratulations to UConn, first off. Crazy deal. Yeah. Crazy, insane, not deal, but crazy. Um, good for them, honestly. Weird, honestly. Uh, no, I'm not. Cool. I'm not. The, I mean, like, granted, I kind of I hung my up. bracket was very yeah. That's sm- what I wanted. Very to talk screwed about. up. There's a lot of people just like making. We were making some some brackets and seeing who made it the furthest. No one made it. Yeah, no, you didn't were, make it out of the first. They weekend. were plastered yeah. all over the office. Like, yeah. all right, who's gonna make it? Who's who predicted the yeah. furthest? Yeah, nobody. Everyone made was out it. after like the second. <laughs> Only, only the kids from Connecticut, you know. That I mean, we have yeah, because yeah. like, they did pretty well for themselves. because I, 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 I know, like in the beginning, you know, Furman, like colleges like that, they were, they were, ma- it was just all upset, upsets. I know yeah. Princeton won, Furman won, so like, everybody, Dickinson, like, everybody's yeah. bracket was destroyed in the first forty-eight hours of yeah. the tournament. Crazy. It is. It is the madness, as they say, right? But it is the madness. I, I'll say, talking about basketball, and I'm curious on on both of your takes. So there was a little bit of flack over the other night with the women's tournament, which, by the way, I I have to give them so much credit. One, not only just some of the most entertaining sports I've ever watched, but it's the highest viewership that um, women's uh, college basketball has ever had ever. And, you know, with that game with Iowa and LSU, obviously it was a duel. Caitlin Clark, she brought the energy. LSU is an incredible team. They were able to win the Women's National Championship. But after the game, uh, First Lady Joe Biden said that she would invite not only the victors in LSU, but also, you know, the... Sorry for the the word here, but the you know the losers uh, in in Iowa, and there's there's been a lot of controversy, and even players like Caitlin Clark from Iowa were like, we wouldn't want to go to the White House, like we lost. What what would we be celebrating? So I was curious, what what is your take on the idea of like, in the, in the name of sportsmanship, welcoming the team that made it there as well as the team that actually won? I feel like you have a part of it that's like, okay, obviously people want to go and you know meet the first lady and go to the White House, and that's great and all, but I feel like. At that point, you're kind of like sportsman pride is is hurt because like you're inviting me as a participation trophy. Like yeah. I don't want to show up and have to rub elbows with the team that just sent me home for the season. I want to be. I want you know. I want to get in the lab. I want to practice and work to get there again. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And for LSU, it's like this is an, a reward for us. You know, we we did all this work. We won, and now the first lady is inviting us out to celebrate. I mean, you know, there's there's they a part of you that could be either. like, the LSU you know, players were not. Why happy do you? Why I don't want them there. You know, like I worked this hard to beat them. What you know? Why are you inviting them? This is my win, not theirs. We don't share this. You know what I'm saying? So I guess it can go both ways, and I, that's that's the that's the reason that I get out of it. Just a background question. Um, is it usually just the winner that gets invited? Yes. If, yeah. if if they get invited okay. at all, you know. Yeah, okay, so if that's the quote unquote tradition then it should just be LSU. I see I see both sides of it on who was it? Iowa? Yeah, Iowa, Iowa and LSU. 
if I was an uh, if I was a player on the Iowa team, I wouldn't want to go personally just because it's like why kind of what Ronnie was saying, why would I want to go and see the team that beat me? Then if I was LSU, it'd be like this is what some teams and like coaches like hope to happen for their program to go to the White House to meet the first lady to celebrate there. I wouldn't want to be there with the team I just beat. It's particip- participation trophy, pretty much. What I find interesting, too, is the presidential visit, um, you know, the invitation after winning a championship, it's become really political in the past couple of years. It, that never was the case. Like, even even during the, the biggest height of the Bush administration, the war on terror, when it was not very popular, you know, everybody still went to the White House for the most part. Every team was invited to the White House. There was never any pause. But yeah. especially um, during the Obama presidency, there were some players that, you know, would get invited and wouldn't go. But then it really took a turn during Trump, where Trump, with several teams, just straight up uninvited them. He was like, okay, you won the championship. And then so many people, like, for instance, I remember the Eagles, it was a big deal. So many people in the Eagles said that they weren't going to go in protest of his presidency that he was like, okay, well, if this many people don't want to go, you're just not going to be invited. You're uninvited to, from the White House. And that became a whole issue. So I think it's then interesting where we have the issue of it seems like then it, it, it's like not as many people are getting in and now we're, we're welcoming the people that lost as well as the team that won. And it's just like, why, why are we we're trying to model the line, right? Yeah. Like, if you won, you should get invited. You're at the White House. Leave it at that. Let's get rid of the politics because it's about the sport, right? Yeah. It, it, it's uniting people. Why are we going to then have a sport divide people? Like, it's an honor to be in the Oval Office. I don't care who the president is. If you won a championship, you know, like, that that's one of the greatest honors is to be able to say that I was at the highest point of my game, I won my game, and then I got to be the leader of the free world. Yeah. It's incredible. That That's a very elite group of people that you get to be with. No, one hundred percent. So I, I can, I understand the anger on both sides. Like I, one, one, it's pride, and the other. Well, it, both of them. Is, it, one, it's pride, and the other one's like, well, I did all this work for myself, not to share it with someone else. You know, I'm already sharing the limelight enough with my teammates, and they deserve it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Why, why do I want to go and and rub elbows with the team that I just beat again? Why are they here? They didn't. They they worked just as hard, and you can respect that. The work ethic is there, but they didn't win at the end of the day. You know. They don't deserve to be invited here because they didn't win. And I just think the fact that Iowa was then so, like, both teams really ne- reacted very negatively to it where they both were like, Oh, no, yeah, it was this, heated. It was yeah. very much heated. You know, and, and I feel like, again, like, Biden just, <laughs> I, I feel like anytime it's not him, it's something with his administration, or it's just like, the, it's been a rough couple of weeks and definitely rough couple of months, but then it's just, this is another thing where you shouldn't be taking a political hit over a national championship. Yet now you're in the spot where people are saying, oh, the Biden administration participation trophies, and that whole discussion starts. It's like, you know, it should not have gotten down to this point. Yeah, no, definitely not. Like you said before, it's a sport that should be uniting people, and it's a fun time to watch, you know, you know, play some bets, watch some basketball, do, you know, do whatever you have fun doing during this, uh, you know, during the time. Why, why politicize the idea, you know? It's not, it, it doesn't make any sense, at least not to me. So... Jason, over the weekend, or over the, the, just this past week, you were able to go and uh, have quite the experience. It was pretty, pretty amazing, Ronnie. Uh, now, listen, <laughs> we weren't me, me and Cass did not have the luxury of of attending. So you're gonna no, have to, not. you're gonna have to give us the four one one. Yes. So, Tell me all about it. 
All right, um, so I'll lay it out. Uh, I was able to see Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band, their first United States tour in seven years, uh, which that in itself, you know, with, with the whole beginning of the Taylor Swift controversy with tickets, right? Everyone's like, oh my God, they're so expensive. SeatGeek's terrible. That issue was going home with Bruce months before in the summer. So that was something where I thought I was going to be able to get a ticket via that. Now, we were fortunate enough. We were, were able to get tickets, uh, and it was at the Barclays Center on Monday night, uh, my first time ever at the Barclays Center, and it was just such an incredible show. And to be able to see one of the names where, you know, it, it's in that conversation of some of the greatest artists and, you know, just really storytellers ever. And to see his show live, it was incredible. But what was neat, though, is he tells a lot of stories in his songs. And when I watched the, the Springsteen on Broadway on Netflix, it was a lot of him talking. I thought it would be a, a, a lot more of him talking and having moments with the crowd. But he loves the music so much that it there's there's almost no talking and it's three and a half hours straight of just the band, just him literally sweating, running, screaming, you know, dancing. I mean, it was for a guy who's seventy-three years old, you would not have guessed that. I mean, he, he was ripping his shirt open. There was this like bravado to him. Um but really I thought one of the most interesting parts of the concert was just the fact that because he's older you know, there, there's been a lot of speculation. Oh, is this the last uh, major tour with Bruce and with the band? And a lot of the, the, the discussion he had, which there was not a whole lot of it, but it was about how I said a lot of goodbyes when I was younger. And now it's a lot. Or I'm sorry. I said a lot of hellos when I was younger. Now it's a lot more goodbyes. And that idea of like not being able to live forever, but still trying to, in the moment, be able to take those that you've had with you throughout your whole life and every story and the way that he did it through the song telling, especially when it was just him and the guitar, and like it, it was just so you know you, you kind of leave the world for a little bit. And and as a fan to be able to say it was incredible, but I just feel like in general, um, you know, with a musician like Bruce, where you know he's able to transcend genres, transcend generations, but then the messages that are still so clear that you know he wrote in the seventies still to this day. And then being able to see it with the band and how incredible they were, you know, they had a whole, there was five different backing singers. There was a whole line of different clarinets, saxophones, obviously just the normal band, which was like three different guitarists, bass, drums. It was a, it was a whole stage that they had out there. And the set list, 27 songs, again, no breaks. On, encore was all hits. So it's just for me, I get And an encore? And, and well, the encore made it to made it the three and a half hour show, but it was a three and a half hour show, and they're all in their seventies. Oh, yeah! What? My gosh! Yeah, that's so, crazy. Actually, that's nuts. I, I I laugh because I'll go to a Billy show, I'll go to a Bruce show. I'm there for over three hours. I'm like, wow, like they just keep going. There's no breaks. I've seen a couple newer artists. I won't throw anyone under the bus. A lot of breaks. Usually not more than like an hour and a half, two hours. Like I, I, I don't know. Like how, how can you not keep up with a dude who's like three times your age? They just don't do it the same. No. And I mean, all everything that Jason was describing, I can see Jason doing in his seventies. Yeah. <laughs> I could definitely see Mike in his seventies, like kicking, screaming, jumping, singing, and ripping his shirt open for the sake yeah. of doing it. You saw yeah. what happened in karaoke. Oh, yeah. Well, that was with Bruce, too. So You, you saw a karaoke to Bruce. To <laughs> Bruce. So, yeah. I mean, come on. How, how much, what more of a layup do you want? Yeah. This guy, this guy does it. I the, just need the, I need the rasp in my voice, and then, then I'm sad. If, you, if we keep you here enough, you'll, you'll, yeah. you'll, you'll get it. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Um, do you have any other questions about the show or just, like, what the, what the experience was what like? What was the set like? 
Yeah. So that was so it was interesting because I thought that he would do a lot more like Billy Joel, where Billy he knows the hits, he knows what the audience absolutely loves and plays. But with Bruce, it was more let me structure it where I tell the story. So there's a lot more in the beginning of like the inflective songs of like here's where I'm at now and throughout my life, and then it was like he kind of flips the page back, where then he went back to the older stuff. So it was kind of neat in how he did that with the with the story and then the note that he ended on. Um, so it was it was not as many of the hits as I thought, but what he played was still tremendous. And it was just, you know, he, he's the kind of guy where he's like, you're not coming to my show and then I'm playing for you. It's you're going to hear me play my show that, you know, you're you're lucky enough to be here with. Kind of not not in like a, a pretentious way, but in a way of like he's the artist. He's making the art, you know? Yeah. And you say like, you know, he was he was real active. How was like the how's the interaction with the crowd and like just like the set pieces in general? Oh, it was amazing. So during one of the songs, he literally he walks out into the crowd and he saw this one guy, he like shook his hand, put his hat on, so he's walking around with this other guy's hat, and then he obviously gave it back to him and he gave multiple um harmonicas to different fans. There was like this little girl who was like four. And he was playing the harmonica and then when he was done he like handed the harmonica to the girl and you could see she got all excited. And Aww. you know the, the fan interaction was great. But really the best part again it's he's at the end of the one song and he's like all fired up and he literally rips his chest open. He's just sitting there for like a minute and you could see him breathing. He's like and like just taking it in and, and you could just see the smile on his face and, and all of it. Like you're like, this guy, he loves the music. He is the music, you know, like you could tell that it, it it's in his being and, you know, for him to be at that level with that energy at that age, like that's what keeps him looking and acting so young. I feel like really is because he just loves it so much. Yeah, I feel like it, a fan interaction and good fan interaction crowd work really makes the performance. It does because, it really like, does. if I wanted to listen to you, if you know, if I wanted to listen to you and like your best work, I can sit and and listen to it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Of course, you don't get that live experience, but I feel like you go there sometimes even more so for the interaction than you do for the music. You know, yeah. because uh, you can sit down at home, you can get that, you can play that song that you like, you can make that set list, you can copy that set list, but you can't go and like, you know share the same space with them yeah or whenever you want so i feel like that crowd interaction really makes it because it feels like you start to humanize the the artist you know what i'm saying would bruce be in like top five concerts of your life absolutely well how many times have you seen him was this the first time this is first for bruce okay yeah but he's he's right up there i mean if you went on my list though you'd be like jason are you in 2023 are you in 1983 like who else who else whoa who else have you seen, and like, where does this stack? It yeah. Is for that. So I would say he's definitely in the top three. It's okay. I I hate picking a number one because I'm like that's such a that's such a tough one. But I would say oh, my list is so yeah. I uh I can so, pick number one so easily. I'm trying to think, and, and I would say we we should jump in that when I'm done. We yeah. can we can go over our top five. But I would yeah. say um in my top three for sure it would be Bruce Springsteen, Billy Joel, and actually I saw Guns N' Roses when they Ooh. reunited, and they were fantastic. Axl Rose still has it. Um, and I'm trying to think of the other groups that were really, really good. I mean, that's tough, but I'll give you, that's my, that's my hard top three. Like those are the best musicians I've seen so far. That's good. I like that. What, what, what else are we rocking with? All right. I needed to, let me go. I needed list. to see, no, I needed to see who I've seen. Okay. Number one is Justin Bieber. All right. Hands down. Okay. That was the did, best concert I've ever been to in my whole entire did, life. Did the Biebs go three and a half hours? The Biebs went like three hours. Good yeah, for, good for yeah. him. Yeah. All right, yeah. boy. All right. I saw him. Well, because I was, I've been a fan of Justin Bieber for a, like since I was like seven, eight. So yeah. I was young, and I saw him 
in 2017 for the first time. Okay. So all of that like emotion like Oh, it just came out at once. I cried for like a good 45 minutes once okay. he came out. Yeah. yeah. Um so Justin Bieber and then it'll go One Direction. Okay. All right. That was a good show. That was a good show. I I did not see One Direction with Zayn. I saw One Direction without Zayn. Oh man. Still a good show. Um and then we'll go the weekend. Oh, you All saw right. the weekend. Yeah, right. yeah I, I saw the weekend that. this past summer. Yeah. Oh, that must have been a great show. I got um free sweet tickets. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh, very <laughs> yeah. nice. Ooh. At the MetLife Stadium. And then we're gonna go probably Drake. You saw Drake too. Yeah, I saw Drake and Migos wow. on this the Scorpion is... tour. I thought oh. I thought my little list was cool. <laughs> uh, <you know. laughs> um, no, I'll make Drake, you I'll make you feel a lot better right after he's done, Jason. Trump. Drake was cool because he obviously has so many hits. So in like a ten minute period, he did like little snippets of like each of like oh, his okay. old stuff. So it was like the motto headlines. Like the whole Take Care album, everything mm. in like ten minutes. Old Drake, what did he? He did like over all of Ooh, that, yeah, okay. in like ten minutes, which was sick. And then, oh, oh, that was four, five would probably have to be Drake. What did I do? You did. You went. All right, then we'll go Luke Bryan. That's okay. good. Luke okay. Bryan's very change, good. Change the vibe up. Yeah, nice. Luke nice. Bryan's nice. very good. Very good live. Yeah. I want to see him again so bad. All right. Now, listen. I'm going to get a lot of flack for this one. Okay. I have never been to a proper concert. Like, I've, I've oh. never gotten to go to a concert. What? I feel yeah. bad because I have this whole list. I, I've never I've <laughs> oh, never gone Ronnie. to an actual concert. All right. What concert are you seeing, Ronnie? Where, where are we taking you? Uh, I'm, I'm like. What tours pique your interest currently? Yeah. I mean, honestly, I'd go to anything. I really don't. Do you want to see Drake in Twenty One? That'd be crazy. Drake in Twenty One. That'd be crazy. Drake in Twenty One. Those those ticket prices also go crazy. Though. Yeah, they do. They do. <laughs> I, uh, I missed there was there was a one with the uh, the rare occasions that was that they came to they came to Brooklyn and I missed it. Oh, what's it? What's it? Do you know like the concert venues in Brooklyn? I've been I've been uh, intrigued to kind of. I think well, them theirs was real small. Mm-hmm. There's was like what kind of like because there there's some uh, like concert venues that they're are better like, though it's into they're a little hole in the wall kind of deal I yeah. can't really name them off the top of my head of course the big ones like like Barclay Center is like in Brooklyn but yeah. like it's deep yeah you know but the these guys were like pretty uh pretty you know kind of hyper local kind of deal I like that though I I love the local guys so I've never been to like I've never been to an actual concert and I, I think I think that very much does have to change. I just don't know who I would go to see, and I'd, I'd pretty much go to see anybody just for the sake of having the experience. You know what I'm saying? Well, Ski Mask is coming to Ski Hofstra. Ski Mask is coming to Hofstra, which yeah. is crazy to me. Mm-hmm. And Cupcake. And Cupcake. That's going to be an experience, to <laughs> say the least. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. That's going to be it's interesting. It's going to be interesting, to say the least. <laughs> I, I already have family and friends texting me about trying to stay up here to say it, so I never thought we'd be the hotbed for Yeah, that, that's nuts. The two of them, like I, I was looking at the, I was watching the the video in the in the student center when they had the little premiere thing. Yeah, I was there. I was like, oh, this is really cool. And then Cupcake came out. I was like, okay, whoa, <laughs> like you know. <laughs> and that's the that's like the you know that you that's the expect. that's like the the sub headliner. Yeah. So I was like, okay, we have Cupcake, nuts. Where are we going from here? Yeah. And then Ski Mask came out. I was like, no way Hofstra University got their hands on Ski Mask. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. 
And then uh, for Fall Fest, it might be Yachty. I mean, that's pretty. Oh, yeah. That, then there's that. If Imagine Yachty, the two I'll of them. come back for it. You should. It'll be fun. Yeah. I will. I mean, I've seen Yachty. He's good live. But, but I, like, I want to yeah. see him again. And see your widow face, my widow Randy baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. What the I whole show. Right into that. <laughs> I walked right into that. I love that. But, yeah, um, I call Ronnie my little Ronnie when we're not on air. <laughs> well, well, that, that reminds us as we're getting towards the end. We never on air officially wished you happy belated birthday, oh, yes. Ronnie. Happy belated, Ronnie. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, my little Ronnie's twenty years old. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's what I said to him yesterday. Yeah, he walked in and I was like, my little Ronnie is twenty years old. <laughs> what, what was uh, what was number one on the uh, the birthday gift gift list this year? Um, well, I haven't seen them yet because I haven't been home, and I'm not oh. gonna I'm not gonna be home until like well, technically Friday morning. <laughs> so oh. I I don't I really don't know I know one thing like uh, I got this pretty this pretty nice uh like Mets starter jacket this varsity Ooh, jacket okay so definitely gonna be pulling that one out as long as it's uh you know a couple spring games mm. but uh I I mean I haven't seen them yet I don't know how do you feel about the Mets home opener getting moved I mean I'm not going to it and they've been struggling as of recently so, so like, they need a break I, I think that day is good I feel bad for people I I know a few that I had class with just yesterday yes. that we're going to the game today wow. and they can't now. And so I'm assuming it's going to be a single admission doubleheader on Probably. Friday. But I mean, yeah, I think I'm, I'm excited. I'm just excited for them to be back in, in Queens, you know, get ready to go to another game, get that ballpark sausage, all that, all the good stuff, you know, <laughs> go have a good time. So Baseball I don't, I don't know. Is the best season. It is. Personally. It really is. It's, a, it's in full swing too. I mean, yeah, yeah the, the spring really has sprung quite literally. Oh, 100%. I've been at Grand Central yep. too many times in uh, the past week. Seen, so. taking, taking some trips. <laughs> yeah, taking, for, some trips. taking some trips to the Bronx. For, for the record, are we at three games already of yeah. the f- five home games that they've had so yes. far? Yes. Wow. That's, wow. that's commitment. Yeah. That's commitment. No, right three out of the six. Six. Okay. okay. Because right. it was, I missed one out of the first series with the Giants, and then I missed two. the two okay. fills. Hey, that, that's still. Th- that's an accomplishment. 50% of the Yankees' home games in the I first. I have been at. Yeah. That's not That's impressive. an accomplishment. Wow. Yeah, so I don't, I don't know what other birthday gifts I got in store for me. I do know that today I was blessed with my comp site class not happening. That was your birthday yeah. gift so that, from Hofstra University. That was University. quite the birthday <laughs> gift from Hofstra University. I get to actually go and get some breakfast after the show. So Woo. we love to see that. There we go. All right. So I think, I think, that, I think that's all we got today. Yeah. I think, I think that, I think that'll do it. That's, that's the finishing touches for uh, th- this edition of the Thursday morning wake up call. So of course, from Jason, Cass, and I, we are wishing you a great rest of your day, and we will see you all next week. <laughs>